0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sport and the World Podcast a part of your day. I'm LeVaris, and once again this week, Chris is not here, and hopefully he'll be back here, back and better than ever again next week. And I hope all of you are well and safe out there, and let's just dive right on in. For some time, I've been talking about Dak Prescott a lot, whether it's through this podcast, through various articles, I talked about how Dak should be paid. Now, I don't think, let's be clear. I think Dak is a very, very talented quarterback. And I think what you saw in the 2020 season, you could make the strongest case and I don't think you'll get any back talk from most people who, in the NFL who say, Dak's value potentially went up because of how abhorrent Dallas played, especially in certain stretches without it. So he got paid. You know, he got a four year, $160 million contract, max value of $164, including $126 million in guaranteed money and 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 i'll delve into deeper how i how i feel about the contract in a minute but when we talk about winners and losers obviously the big winner is dak but to me if you're jerry jones let's be clear he could have re-signed dak two years ago let's be very clear and transparent about that because this is what jerry jones probably did and this is what any owner or looks at is, is that he literally looked around for better options he basically essentially went window shopping to see if he can replace Dak Prescott or find better value at the position see the thing is bring in Andy Dalton and I do believe that Andy Dalton was considered to be could have been potentially a start of this coming up season if nothing worked out with Dak I think they were fully prepared for that Now, they probably looked at, well, maybe we trade for Russell Wilson, but then they maybe realized they would be taking in a lot of money that they could potentially give to Dak. And they said, well, we're not gonna trade for Deshaun Watson because we're not gonna give up if mortgage our future. And then lastly, they they looked at the draft and they said that there's no one in that draft that could come in start and lead this team to the playoffs and they would be absolutely right so let's be clear you know jerry jones is signing dak earlier in the week does not necessarily mean that jerry didn't look around listen it's a it's essentially where like i'm not speaking on experience but it's essentially like if you're you know you're in a relationship things aren't going so great you look around you assess and if you can't find any better options you go back and you settle now i'm not saying that listen every man in america is like that or every woman like that is 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 that way but the point is that's exactly what jerry jones did jerry did not reach this conclusion and automatically put Dak on the priority list one because he signed Zeke, he signed Amari Cooper, he signed even Jalen Smith, the linebacker. Dak was not really high on the priority list for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's be very, let's be clear. So in that contract, there's a no trade clause and a no tag provision. To me, the no tag provision is key because they essentially were gonna keep tagging him until a long-term deal and that tag number gets exponentially higher every year. So he's gonna average 42 million a year over the first three years with 75 million in the first season and a $66 million signing bonus. So when you, now to go back to the contract, when I look at the contract, I go, it's not too much. It's it's, it's a little too much and to I'll explain why we talk about Dak's value compared to other quarterbacks, you know, his age and the money they got. Listen, let's be clear. This is not an indictment on how I feel about Dak the person. I think Dak the person is, is a super, super cool dude. And you saw when he got hurt how it hit home for that organization. It's not one of those well feel no. They generally have a respect for Dak Prescott in that building. And when you see Dak step in front of a podium and you see him at these press conferences, you look like that's a franchise quarterback. Now, when these talks initially happened, we were talking Russell Wilson money. And I said, well, it took Russ about, Russ didn't get his first contract he didn't get that big contract. He signed until he was 30, Rest, you know, and Dak is 27. So it may seem like three years is a short time, but in terms of contract, it feels the gap is much, it's incremental, it's, it's wide. So, you know, the, my, my main concern was that Dak had to have get, he had to get this team to at least a conference championship and it would have gave him the money i'd have no problem zero zero problem but my number one problem was one playoff he has just as many playoff wins as Kirk cousins that that's a concern and i'm and listen and to me dak prescott is better than Kirk cousins my point is is that what dak did to get this money is beyond remarkable listen a fourth round pick you know essentially he was there maybe as a he's a backup from joining Romo learn from Romo and maybe take over the franchise in time but not come in as quick as he did so listen I I'm I'm not gonna bore you with the stats but he put up big numbers and and what a lot of people looked around and go maybe that could be the franchise and at that point jerry said well maybe i have a guy that comes after romo and one of the things is, is that it's super hard to get two great franchise quarterbacks in such a short span you know back to back like that you know when you look at the indianapolis colts when paid manning got her bad season they literally lucked into Andrew Luck. And then after Andrew Luck got hurt, now hopefully they you know, we'll talk about Carson Wentz. You know, he's in that list we're gonna talk about in a little bit. So so Jerry wasn't sure what he was getting out of Dak. And I think he was if Dak would have got to the playoffs, got to a conference championship, even if he lost it, you know he could get you there. And then you know that you have to add pieces when you look at the dallas cowboys and listen i wrote an article some time ago where i talked about this season Dak five percent of the blame and that's based on because he's the quarterback because quarterbacks have to naturally be blamed now am i saying that five percent i put was like on play no because he has to start his helmet he's under center that that's solely it but When you look at the contract and you look at the length the value salary and when it was signed it becomes important so when you look at four guys and you know good job by the folks at spot track you know to assess and to scout this you know patrick mahomes was 24 when he signed that contract his 10-year contract so was deshaun watson Russ was 30, Carson was 26. Now, when you look at the the average length, Mahomes got a 10 year, Deshaun and Russ, and Carson got four year deals. So that was about a five and a half years, average between the four of them. Average their value, Mahomes 450 million, Deshaun's 156 million, Russ's 140 million, and Carson's 120 million, that averages out to 218 and a half million. Average salary, Mahomes 45 million, Deshaun 39, Russ 35, Carson Wentz 32, averages out to 39.7 million. And the average age, as I mentioned earlier, their ages earlier was 26. So Dak signed this contract when he's 27. So teams are understanding, and I make this clear, is that you don't sign a guy unless you absolutely have to. Meaning, when you have to pay him, pay him. Don't pay him uh, maybe a year too early because what happens is you get the Jared Goff effect because the Rams wanted to put their foot forward and lock into Jared Goff and now he's in Detroit. So I say, be sure. Let Unless you absolutely have to sign him. That's a warning for Baker Mayfield. That's for the Cleveland Browns. And that's for the Baltimore Ravens. Pay them when you absolutely have to pay them. Because when you don't have to pay them, let them play out their contract and and figure out what happens. So, why did I mention all of that? Because according to Track, this is the market value calculated of Dak Prescott. They had it at four years about 147.3 million average salary, 36.8. So when you look at the value that the Dallas got for him, they paid him more and he's getting definitely way more yearly and and he's 27. And people say, well, it's tied to the TV deal when he's gonna get more money when he's 31. So my overall assessment of the contract is, is that Dallas is letting you know. And Jerry Jones realized he had to pay Dak. Whether you agree or disagree, personally, the reason why Dak got the money he got was something a little bit more than the field. I think it's the way he's handled this. And and sometimes Jerry read, reads the papers, he, there's no big media guy in terms of an owner than Jerry. And he saw that favorite, you know, you know, the favoritism toward paying Dak leaned on <laughs> in the direction of you gotta pay this guy. Even when he got hurt, you saw, and I'm not saying that was a the sole factor, but when he got hurt in that game, you kind of saw the whole air of the stadium just go, You just kind of saw it go out. And you saw how important he was to this franchise, not just on the field, but off it. So we have to understand that. Now, am I saying that, am I saying that, you know, hey, he's not worth the money? Listen, this contract, within the next four years, he has to win a Super Bowl. Let's be clear. You don't give someone that type of money if they don't sniff the Super Bowl. Could you look at look at the four guys I mentioned, Mahomes, Watson, Russ, and Wentz. Two of those guys have Super Bowl rings. One played in back to back Super Bowl. Both of them. A couple of guys played a couple of Super Bowls, Russ and Mahomes. And multiple Super Bowls. When you give out that type of money, it's expected results. Because listen, when you're the, when you're a quarterback, you're gonna be the highest paid guy, so there's gonna be natural pressure. And when you look at the situation going on with Deshaun Watson, you look around and you go, listen, there's a report that came out that essentially said that the Texans are prepared you know, <laughs> for Deshaun Watson to sit out the 2021 season. And look, here's what I'll say real quick about that, is that remember when Le'Veon Bell wanted more money from the Pittsburgh Steelers? Remember that? good times right good times so what did what did the Rooney's do they let him sit out because he's a running back now if Big Ben would have sat out they would have found a way to get him the money and it's not a race thing it's a positional thing I guarantee you, you go to your job and I guarantee you there's your company looks at you the same way organizations look at certain players if they hold out or demand more money. There's people who you work with who, if they decide to, you know what I want out, they're gonna sit them to the table and figure it out. Because the reality is, the Pittsburgh Steelers saw Le'Veon Bell as expendable, as most companies see certain employees as expendable. So my, my point is, is that, listen, if the Texans don't wanna trade them, you're essentially, he's sitting at home and you're, and you're essentially sitting three, maybe four first round picks, a defensive starter, offensive starter. You're, you're sitting your future at home. And I don't mean Deshaun Watson, like future picks, future players. He doesn't want to be there. Now, over time, I've leaned toward favoring Deshaun. But at some point, I think Deshaun has to understand that, listen, if they don't want to trade me, can have you exhausted all of your options for it to work? Because at the end of the day, the Houston Texans have made it clear that, listen, Deshaun Watson, we want to figure it out. Listen, they let JJ, they didn't let JJ walk out the door. They let him walk because JJ went to the organization and wanted out. He, he, didn't, he, was, no, he was not interested in a rebuild And it's two separate situations, and I can't express that enough. That's essentially comparing apples to, to essentially, let's see, avocados. Two different, (laughs) two different things. None are related. So in the situation of Dak Prescott, Dak's no trade, listen, Russell Wilson, he had a no trade clause. And if things are working out there, you hear, listen, he could potentially go to Chicago, he could go to Oakland. So when I look at Dak's contract, Dak's the type of guy I don't think in two years is gonna want out because he has the money. He could want out. The fact of the matter is when you hand out contracts, especially the quarterbacks, it's clearly a market where you have to be buyer beware. I think if we've learned anything from the Brock Brock Osweiler situation it is that you have to have buyer beware. Understand what you're getting. Don't sign them unless you absolutely have to and understand the market. Jerry Jones is a smart dude and he saw that, listen. I have to pay him. Cuz if I don't pay him, I'm I they're going to catch my bluff and I have to go to Andy Dalton. And Andy Dolan is a is a serviceable quarterback, but is that could appease Cowboys fans, when you got Dak Prescott, you know on the, you know playing on the tag, coming back from injury. So I'm happy for Dak, and let's be clear, he has to win a Super Bowl. S- speaking of Super Bowls, no, T- Tampa Bay, listen, Tom Brady locking up, locking up another Super Bowl. Listen, he just signed a one-year extension through the 2022 season and has three voidable years and that resulted in the one-year extension. And listen, his contract, this is what I love about the contract and I put that out on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at at Ladares underscore Brown. I put out there that I love this contract because he saved the team $19 million against the salary cap this year. And they, you know, gave a two-year deal to Levante David. They got to re-sign, they want to re-sign Gronk, you know, there's Shaquille Baird, there's Chris Godwin. So, Tom Bray has always been about team. And he put on Twitter, like, in pursuit of eight, LFG, you know what it means. It's not OPP, but it's it's LFG. <laughs> We're keeping the band together. So, Tom Bray's all about team. You know, Tom Brady is committed because he understands he he wants to win an eighth Super Bowl. He needs to bring back some, he needs to bring back a potential Gronk, Shaquille Barrett, Chris Godwin. And it's important that he's saving cap money to do that. And listen, Patrick Mahomes, I mentioned earlier, he's going to convert his signing bonus. He's going to convert, listen, that roster bonus to a signing bonus. That saves the team. $17 $17 million to go out and get free agents and get more weapons, maybe offensive line help for Patrick Mahomes to protect him. Because if you've... I, the last three weeks I wrote an article about the draft and I and I put an offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, check it out. The articles I have written. Good stuff. Yeah, according to source me. Because protecting your assets that was essentially the theme of this draft is protecting your assets. so you're so you don't have liability so my overriding point with tom brady is that listen he takes pay cuts constantly even with new england he took pay cuts and yet bill belichick because belichick didn't do much with it and i say he couldn't draft and essentially go out and get free agents they came to play with Tom the Patriot way got exposed it was the Brady way I said that on this podcast some time ago it's the Brady way not the they want to play with Tom Brady in the same way people want to play with LeBron is that you know you're playing with a you're playing with a guy who's all about committed to success and he can take you he can take you there so happy for that and then speaking of the, of the Patriots, listen, they re-signed Cam one year, $14 million years, years you know one-year extension for $14 million. And that was according to Jim McBride of the Boston Globe. Listen, Cam threw for a little over 2,600 yards, eight touchdowns. He completed 65% of his passes on a career low career-low 368 attempts. If there's anything that I've said about Cam Newton, my biggest concern was, listen, his completion percentage. And listen, the leading, you know who the leading receiver was for the Patriots? Jacoby Myers. Who's Jacoby Myers? Exactly. No disrespect to Jacoby Myers, but it's the same team that had Julian Edelman who had a career low. You know, there's reports that they're trying to move Nikhil Harry. You have to put weapon. Because, listen, this does not mean and Patriot fans have to understand, this does not mean that Bill Belichick does not get a quarterback in the first round because he understands that Cam, Cam is up there and the Cam Newton experiment didn't work. You re-signed him because of value. Because, listen, once again, did you really want, do you, listen, they could easily try to trade for Sam Donald in the same division, they could easily they could have made a move for Matt Stafford. It's about they did not want to mortgage their future. It's essentially what the Dallas Cowboys did before re-signing Dak Prescott, is that if there's nobody better, then we have to cite him and then pay him. You know, it's a, it's a heck of a pay raise. Candidate was making a million and a half last year. Now you jump that up, he's making 14. At the end of the day, it boils down to the New England Patriots this is a rebuild mode because let's be clear they re-signed Cam because they still feel Cam is better than Jared Stenham and Brian Hoyer and those aren't great options let's be clear Jared Stenham may have a chance you can can say compete for the job but may not get the job and like I say Bill Belichick will look at this draft and he's going to draft a quarterback it was a shock last year I did my mock draft why didn't they draft a quarterback I said because no, they're going to give it a shot with Jared Stenham, I thought and then they went on and, tra- and signed Camden because it's be- slowly becoming clear to Bill Belichick he's not going to admit it maybe I have to change things and I have to understand I have to rebuild this team and the question is does Bill Belichick want to rebuild? And get back to you—he's pushing seventy. Do you want? It's—it's it's like like I said earlier. You no know, certain players reach certain points in their careers where they don't want to be parts of rebuilds. They want to win championships. Bill Belichick pushing seventy—he has six Super Bowls. He doesn't. Does he want to be part of a rebuild? I don't know. Is he preparing this team for maybe a Josh McDaniel? or a couple of you know? Listen, is he preparing this franchise to move on? Because at the end of the day, signing Cam Newton for a one-year deal basically means there's still no long-term answer. And they don't feel confident that Jared Stenham is the long-term answer. And they sure as heck don't feel that Brian Hoyer is the long-term answer. So, you know, there's that. And speaking of that, I don't know how many of you watched the uh, the NBA All-Star game. T. LeBron won 170 to 150. I just want to say this, and this is a suggestion that I'm going to throw out there, and maybe I could be wrong. I truly feel that when it comes to the, you know, the All-Star, the NBA for the most part has, has gotten it right in terms of how they've done the All-Star game, but now we live you know with COVID. You know, But even still, I, I enjoyed the three-point contest, I enjoyed the skills competition, the dunk contest is not doing it for me now am i demagoguing and and flodging those who participated absolutely not but at some point i would not be against the idea of either holding you know getting you know, not getting rid of the uh, dunk contest but at some point maybe doing it every other year because you're not going to get big stars like he did back in the day, like 20, 30 years. You're not. It's not going to happen. It, it's just simply not going to happen because now it's about protection of careers. With guys like when MJ and Kobe, you know, when those guys were doing it, they were young, we didn't know what we were getting, and we got greatness. You got guys coming out who don't want to be a part of it. LeBron James has never participated in the dunk contest. And I said, and listen, he could have came out of when he came out of high school, listen, he could have participated, but he did. Either you know, he either wasn't chosen or he realized that it was simply not worth the risk of doing it. So at the end of the day, I would not be opposed to the idea of doing the dunk contest every other year. Listen, kudos. If you want to keep it, but I would not be anti getting rid of it because i don't see the value i'd rather watch the skills coming in the three point contest why the three point contest because listen because back in school i don't share enough about myself on the show but i will now is that you know back in elementary school hot shots competition basically there were spots on the court worth value I, i i was pretty good i i've always had an affinity for shooting i'm six foot four and listen, I always love taking shooting. I'm like, I love watching shooting. I can watch guys shooting the rock. Love watching their skill set. As opposed to the dunk contest. Because to me, it takes greater skill to shoot than it is to dunk. I'm not mitigating dunking, but before NBA Twitter attacks me, <laughs> I'll just trans I'll just transition on and, and talk about. And talk about, you know, a movie that was very popular that came out, the sequel, Coming to America. Listen, I saw the. for those who haven't seen the sequel, then you might want to cover your ear or pause, or pause it from this point, you know, if you haven't watched it, and just save it after you watch it. But, here's the thing, how I always feel about sequels is, is that it should be a continuance of the the first, it should be the continuance of its predecessor, but stand on its own. This is why people love Marvel movies, because even though there's so many storylines and Easter eggs from other from the from other Marvel movies, it still is a standalone movie. It feels like it could stand on its own and be great. H- here was my problem: it's coming to America. Listen, for the record, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't turn it off. I watched it. But he, here's the problem I had. The number one problem that I had was a lack of consistency in based on a storyline. Because you have, once again, cut it off if you haven't watched it. You're essentially saying that, you know, Prince Hakeem, Eddie Murphy's character, had relations with Leslie Jones' character 30 years ago at that club, if you remember that scene in Coming to America, and you're saying that they went home and biggity bong bing bong, when in that timeline, as they left the club, they went to the pageant. So my question is, how could he be at the pageant and be with this woman at the same time? I felt that plot line, to me, didn't make any sense. And if you kept watching toward the end, to me, they had a better plot line where his daughter listen, he had three daughters. And I said, Well, the oldest daughter to be queen, that's a story, that's a plot I'm interested in. And while people may say, Oh, it was better than original, I'm like, Stop it. I'm like, Stop it. That's essentially you saying that Police Academy 7 was better than the original police academy. That's how I feel when people say coming to America was better than coming to America. You're saying that when they went that mission assignment in Moscow, you're saying a police academy seven is better than Mahoney and the crew. That's ridiculous. Cause at that point they all were gone and we were banking on people that you had to, IMDB to know who they were. And I'm not disrespecting them, but people didn't know who they were. And at that point they were just reeling out movies. Cause Hey, why not? My point is, you had, a, you had a, you came in with a storyline that made zero sense. And then you end up with a storyline that, in the end, he doesn't want to be Prince, and then you make the daughter of the Queen. Like, that's a storyline. I would watch that for two hours, than to watch crap going back to New York, to America. listen, coming to America was based in New York. We didn't, you know, listen, I want to know more about Zamunda. Keep it in Zamunda. Talk about the daughter. Maybe at some point they will. And listen, people are saying, "Oh, it was better than the original. It was funny." And I'm like, "Okay, I love the cameos. I like Trevor Noah. I, I love Tre- I'm using Trevor Noah. Okay. You know was great to see Louis Henderson, funny dude. John Hamas How the hell did the Kimmy Matumbo show up? Listen, that's Amazon money. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the cameos were great. But you can't listen. I always say flex deal. You can't flex deal something <laughs> like that, like the plot. Those who watch the movie will go, "Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense." But when you call it out, you're seen as, "Oh, well, you didn't like the movie." No, it means that literally the, of it, the whole movie is based on first it came having a son and hit Lavelle being a prince. He doesn't want to be a prince. And I said, you neglected a key storyline because the daughter wanted to be queen and felt that just, be, that's something there. Like, okay, how did she become queen? How do we get there? Like that's buildable and it's plausible. So those are my thoughts. Give me your thoughts, share them. Like I said on Twitter, at Sports the World on Twitter and Instagram and well, there's double underscore brown Instagram and so so that's all for now and until I see and hear you again be real, be you, be blessed and be safe from all of us here in the sports and the world podcast